You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. We have a fascinating show here because we're going to add something to this episode that we haven't had very often, and that is audio clips, interviews, stuff that might appeal to you. There's a whole bunch of them. We'll hear at least some of them during the course of our three-hour episode. We'll get into that in just a moment. The last time we talked to Chris, he was speaking to us from California on a mobile phone, and it didn't sound so good. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe you could flesh out your trip to the West Coast a bit more, because they will relate in a few minutes to our guests. Well, uh, not much to say. Uh, I had a good time. Uh, There was a really good turnout uh, for my talks. Um, I spoke in San Jose and, you know, down L.A. MUFON and Orange County MUFON, and then um, I did an appearance on our, our good friend Greg Bishop's uh, show, Radio Mysterioso. I had a good time. Visited Greg and uh, saw his wonderful book collection. My God, he's got an incredible whole shelf full of signed uh, you know, books, some going all the way back into the contactee period. And He had a first edition, Charles Fort, um, I think Low. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful book collection. Of course, we didn't have much time to, to hang out because I ended up having to leave the following morning. But all in all, it was a good trip. Uh, left with a ton of books and came back uh, empty-handed. And uh, That's the kind of empty-handedness you want because those are books that you sell. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Um, that was good. Also, uh, I think I brought 10 Doom handbooks, <laughs> which also sold very well um, in these uncertain times. It's quite a uh, interesting book. Uh, Adventures Unlimited just published it. It's based on the U.S. military survival uh, manual, and it's um, it's fleshed out and geared more towards a um, a civilian reader. But uh, boy, talk about having having everything in it but the kitchen sink. Uh, how to birth? It doesn't a baby. tell you how to bring a kitchen sink with you when the world. No, ends. it doesn't. But it it, oh, it right. probably has how to build one. Uh, Every type of shelter, water for purification, uh, birth and babies, tracheotomies. Uh, how to... I really want to perform a tracheotomy. Let me have that section of the book. I'll get my implements ready. <laughs> it's amazing. It's one of the, the cooler books I think I've ever seen. Boy, if it's not in there, you don't need to know it. Uh, you know, if if all these uh, crazy, you know, History Channel shows are correct, we're... Uh, you know, we're getting to the end of the Mayan calendar, and we're all going to die. So for those of us that don't die, you need a Doom Handbook. <laughs> okay, so maybe we should be offering the Doom Handbook. Can we get more copies to sell sure. or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I, it's amazing. One thing was a little disconcerting. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very uh, generously illustrated. Lots of how-to uh, photographs and or drawings and stuff, and... But the woman giving birth to the baby has a Playboy bunny tattoo. I found that a little disconcerting. All right. (laughs) Okay, so if the world is about to end, or you're going to be put in the position like you were, say, in the movie Star Trek First Contact, 
Obviously, there had been some kind of world war and only colonies of mankind were left. And this was, what, 2050. So I guess in 2050, we have to have lots of copies of this book. And we, of course, also have to allow the inventor of warp drive to complete his invention before the board gets him. Right. Okay, Gene. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Kind of. Uh, it sort of rings a bell. Okay. This was one of the better Star Trek movies. And I guess it was showing what happens to man, humans, in the wake of some worldwide catastrophe. And there are so many movies like that. You know, in the early part of the 21st century, everything falls apart. Hmm. Okay. And? And we wonder why do they feel they must do that? Who, the producers that make these movies? or Sure, and writers who write the stories. And you have to well, think, you know, you know is that what they want to happen to our world? Well, yeah, energy does follow thought. I mean, it, the way things are going, I mean, just look at the uh, State of the Union address uh, the other night or the, the Republican primaries that are going on. I mean, this is enough to, to give anybody the the feeling that we're at the in the end times and that the world doesn't have much longer to go on. Newt Gingrich as president? Oh, my goodness. What is the world coming to? Ladies and gentlemen, that is a political statement that comes from Christopher <laughs> O'Brien. Unfortunately, I agree with him. So now all those who are in favor of Newt Gingrich for president are going to boycott this show. Oh, good. Well, let's so you say, see, we are used to getting ourselves in trouble, though. That's well, I don't know, man. Give me any. I, I'd, I'd rather see Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck or somebody president than Newt Gingrich. That guy just gives me the creeps. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he does. I mean, there's there's something wrong about the dude. Sorry. Okay. Well, you know, I guess we're going to see how it plays out, and we'll know. Yeah. Possibly, we'll know more. By the time you folks hear this show, let's doesn't skip he, the politics. Doesn't he remind you of like some like newly discovered, uh, the, I don't know, so species of toad? And the guy is so toad-like. Something wrong about him. I expect, you know. I expect a lot of listeners are now going to be writing us about this or agree with us, depending on your point well, of view. We know we I'm have just, a fascinating show today, and I think maybe we should segue from Newt to our two guests. Well, I I had a great time, you know, finally getting up to Northern California and speaking uh, to a MUFON group up there, and Ruben is the head of that group. Uh, Ruben Uarte is a really interesting guy. I've, I've, you know, been in touch with him on and off over the years and uh, really haven't had a chance to visit him and his, uh, you know, his MUFON group up in, in San Jose. I was very, very uh, pleased that they invited me to come up, and... We, we did have a, a good time uh, getting to know each other a little better, and I suggested that he and his co-author uh, come on the show and talk about their new book, and he readily agreed to do that. So this is going to be fun. The case that uh, they're going to be discussing, I think, uh, at length is one of the more, I think, enigmatic cases on record. I'm not that up to speed on the case. I haven't read the book, unfortunately, but I'm sure Ruben and his co-author, Noe, I think his name is, um, Noe Torres is, are going to really give us the, the lowdown on this particular case, which I think Cor Lorenzen called uh, it one of the, the, the better cases out there and, and one of the more interesting cases. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, 
this will be Ruben's first trip here to the Paracast, and uh, hopefully the first of many. And one more thing, we are going to have some audio clips. Now, what are these audio clips? Are these interviews about the case? I believe so, yes. I think uh, they're interviewing uh, – I'm, I'm not sure which clips he's, he's bringing, but uh, I think there may be interviews with family members uh, that were involved in this particular case. I don't want to spill the beans on it too much here. Um, I'm sure Ruben will uh, do a good job of, of introducing them. We had to engage in some sort of trickery here because normally we don't present audio clips. We did on one show. You know, one or two shows we've presented audio clips, and the process is a little ungainly. But I decided, because this seemed to be the sort of show that warrants that kind of treatment. Yeah, well, Gene, you're a tech wizard, so you can... Of course I am. I resemble that remark, as a matter of fact. You know, I resemble a lot of things, and after your political comments of just a few moments ago, I don't know what (laughs) I'm going to resemble. You know, but... I don't know. Well, just just the name Newt. It's just something wrong. <laughs> there used to be a song one of the shows played. It's just wrong. And I think it was probably Howard Stern used to do that. Yeah. You know, he'd get into some really strange thing and he'd say, well, it's wrong. What's not wrong are two great guests coming up next on The Paracast. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling authorized biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash paracast. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, Subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. Has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is the new world order world government? These and other crucial end time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time. 
From Anti-Ministries, Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or endtime.com. If you're taking one, two, five or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with BioSuperfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered BioSuperfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The BioSuperfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. BioSuperfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. We've got a pair of guests, new friends to the PowerCast, joining us, Noe Torres and Ruben Uarte, is it? Yes, very very good. (laughs) Thank you. My son is very good at Spanish, so he's great at pronouncing these things, but he's in Spain, so he can't tell me how to do it. (laughs) Now, the book is called Aliens in the Forest, the Cisco Grove UFO Encounter. Now, we're hitting a world here where, of course, everyone has been told that the case to die for is Roswell, except, of course, when you don't believe in Roswell. This case occurred some years back, hasn't gotten all the publicity that maybe it should have gotten. So either of you, Ruben or Noe, why don't you give us a brief backgrounder of the case, and as we progress, we'll listen to those interviews. No, Noe, why don't you go ahead, and then I'll jump in on, on, the, more, um, on yes. the other items. Go ahead there, Noe. This is one of the most remarkable UFO encounters from the 1960s, and Ruben and I have been in the field for quite some time, especially Ruben, much longer than I. And when he first sent me the materials that he had acquired, all the case files from from this particular incident, he uh, sent them to me with a note that this was and is one of the most amazing uh, UFO cases that he has ever run into in his long experience in the field of doing UFO investigations. It occurred on September 4, 1964, in Northern California, east of Sacramento, in a national forest 
known as the Tahoe National Forest. And in 1964, the world had been through a very remarkable UFO abduction case, the Betty and Barney Hill uh, encounter of 1961 in New Hampshire. And, of course, most everybody had heard about this. And uh, here was a case from 1964 that we're going to talk about tonight that shares a lot of characteristics with the Betty and Barney Hill case, as well as with two other very famous cases, the Pascagoula, Mississippi UFO abduction of Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker in 1973, and also the Travis Walton case, uh, which also occurred in the 70s. In the case of Betty and Barney Hill, uh, the case we're talking about tonight, the Cisco Grove UFO encounter, and Pascagoula, all three were investigated by Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Dr. James Harder, two of the leading civilian UFO investigators of the early 60s and actually all the way through the 70s. And all three of them, J. Allen Hynek, James Harder, and Dr. Anita Brothers, who were involved in these investigations, thought that these three cases, much more than some of the others of that time period, really were highly significant, were highly credible, and had extremely um, believable testimonies from our witnesses. However, this particular case that we're talking about tonight did not get the media attention that Betty and Barney Hill, Pascagoula, and the Travis Walton case got. And there's a actually quite an easy explanation for that, and that is that the principal witness in this case, Mr. Donald Shrum, at the time of the incident in 1964, was working for one of the nation's leading missile defense contractors, Aerojet Corporation of Sacramento. And he worked in uh, their assembly plant where they assembled Titan missiles, Polaris missiles, and a wide range of missile systems and missile boosters uh, that were in use at that time for the space program as well as for the defense of our country. So Mr. Shrum was very reluctant to have his identity revealed to the world as a UFO uh, witness and near abductee. And he felt, and we, and you know, evidence and history have proven that he was very likely correct in thinking that if he came out with this and, and was too public about it, then his position with this leading missile defense contractor would definitely be in jeopardy. And as he has told Ruben and me, it was a time in his life when he could not afford to be without a job. So basically it came down yeah. to he didn't want to reveal his identity. So his name was never given. It's only been in the past couple of years when Ruben and I, um, primarily Ruben, made contact with the, with the lead witness in this case, Mr. Donald Shrum, who at the time of this incident lived in the Sacramento area. It's only been in the past couple of years that uh, Mr. Shrum finally has revealed, you know, all the particulars of the case. He has agreed to have his identity and the identity of the two other men that went hunting with him that day when they encountered the UFOs and the ETs. He has finally agreed to make all of that public for the first time ever. And he chose, and we're very appreciative that he chose... Ruben Uriarte and myself to tell this amazing story for the first time in its entirety in this new book called Aliens in the Forest that we're going to talk about tonight. So that kind of sets the stage for, for this story. Okay, progressing from there. 
All right, we have the basic introduction about this particular case. Now, when you say, of course, that it's in the ballpark of Barney and Betty Hill and Pascagoula, we're talking, of course, as you say, about an abduction instance here, right? This was a what we classify as a near abduction. Okay, um, so it's a near abduction. He wasn't actually right. taken aboard. He actually fought his own personal war of the worlds that night. And in the end, he prevailed and was able to thwart this massive attempt that was being made to take him. And so it's an amazing story, unlike a lot of others. You know, a lot of times we hear about abductees being taken fairly easily with a minimal amount of resistance, or they're not able to resist, or whatever attempts they make to resist are unsuccessful. In this case, as we'll hear tonight, and in his own words, because we have clips uh, that Ruben made in, in uh, interviewing the, the lead eyewitness, as we'll hear tonight, he resisted to the last ounce of his strength, always keeping in mind that if he let into the situation, he may not ever be returning home again. He actually won out. So that's why we call it a near abduction experience. I might add that this is quite uh, unusual for a case of this type to actually occur because as most of the Paracast listener, uh, listening audience out there knows, most abductions are done, you know, are enacted on people that have no control over the situation. This particular case is, is quite unique <clears throat> in that regard where he did have recourse. He was not, his motor functions weren't frozen, that sort of thing. So why don't we start in on kind of setting the stage of these guys on their, going on their hunting trip and then uh, right. give us an idea of exactly uh, the, ch the chain of events that occurred. Sure. And before and, we do that, let me remind our listeners once again, you will be hearing some of the interviews that our guests have made with the witnesses. So you get a sense, which is more than you normally get with a lot of these stories, of the people, the sincerity, and you can decide for yourself what you think about everything. Once again, the book from our guests on the Paracast this week, Ruben Uarte and Noe Torres, is Aliens in the Forest, the Cisco Grove UFO Encounter. You'll learn more on the other side of the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y-Pro.com. 
Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Long-range patrol ration entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug-out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold-weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the freeze-dry guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at freeze-dryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world. Emergency preparedness plans must include a fast way to start a fire. Fire up instantly with the revolutionary Quick Stove, a compact, lightweight, portable stove that's ready for cooking in less than one minute. Quick Stove, the safe, non-explosive fuel source that is an emergency preparedness essential. Quick Stove comes with four waterproof fuel cells that ignite in seconds, burn for up to 90 minutes each, can be lit and relit, and be stored indefinitely. At up to 18,000 BTUs, Quick Stove is ready to boil water in less than five minutes and burns hotter than most outdoor stoves. Now the best part. Quick Stove starts at only $34.99 and comes with a 100% satisfaction or your money-back guarantee. Order today at quickstove.com or call 801-784-0225. That's 801-784-0225 or go to quickstove.com. Click on the discounts tab for multi-unit savings. Quick Stove, quite possibly the world's fastest outdoor fire. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We're learning about the Cisco Grove UFO encounter with Ruben Yorte and Noe Torres. As we progress, we will present some of that, I guess we'll call them eyewitness testimony, right, guys? That's exactly right. Yes. Uh, Ruben has interviewed Mr. Shrum extensively, and we'll be listening uh, to a very good uh, recording of the interview that uh, Ruben Uriarte did with Mr. Shrum recently in his home. And it's uh, very clear. We, we can hear the sincerity and the, uh, the depth of the experience as it was felt by Mr. Shrum that evening. So we're going to be right there with him in the forest. Shit. Witnessing these things. 
I just wanted to add uh, before we get right into it, just a, a little addition, a little background is that this case was investigated by a principal investigator by the name of Mr. Paul Cerny, who was with NICAP at the time, and that was the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena. This is back in 1965, where he had received a request from Major Quixote, who was heading the NICAP at the time to conduct the investigation. Quixote had received a letter from Don Trump's wife and ex- explaining this unusual event that had happened. Years later, um, the way I came across it was that I had a file of Paul Cerny's uh, cases. Uh, Paul Cerny passed away almost 12 years ago, and in that, in these files, which I'm I'm a member of MUFON, I'm the director of of, uh, Northern California MUFON, and Paul Cerny at that time was the previous director, and then he got promoted into a higher level position within MUFON. But when I acquired these files, and the thing that struck my mind was what was referred to as the bow and arrow case. And I looked at it and I said, my God, I got to meet this man someday. There, As Noe had mentioned, um, there's been some, not too much covered on it. There were uh, some articles that, that have been written over the years, but n- nothing compared to the thoroughness and the uh, accuracy that was given to us from Mr. Don Shrum. So uh, we can move on and uh, go, go ahead, Noe, and uh, if you wouldn't mind continuing with the overview. Yes, Before you do that, no, we wanted to ask you one thing here. Okay. Mm -hmm. We know that Major Kehoe certainly gave publicity to a large number of cases in his various books. And this is at the time that NICAP was really quite a popular organization. They had some business-related problems later on. But NICAP was the big thing then. You know, APRO, NICAP, the major organizations. But Kehoe didn't make a big deal of this? Well, he did in the sense of uh, initially – uh, sending uh, Mr. Paul Cerny, who did a, a very, very thorough report, which is in our book. And the other th- aspect, again, was that Paul Cerny had to re- respect and protect Mr. Don Shrum and his anonymity. But like as I mentioned before, there were some articles, uh, an overview that was written. The problem was that other there were more additional articles that was written about this case based on the original article. And then in that information was uh, change, and uh, so you never really got the complete picture. So tonight we hope to sh- uh, share with the audience, your audience, uh, through the interviews that we were that we conducted with Don Trump, some of the remarkable things that ha- and, and the extraordinary battle that he had back in 1964. And this is one of the things you see in these abduction cases: the people seem to take it, they accept it, and this is so opposite that obviously. Yeah, this this man uses wits. He uses resources. The guy, I mean, he amazed me. Uh, up to this day, uh, when I listened to his his whole entire entire story, um, I was just totally at all. And so, so when uh, I had sent the documents to Noe, and and both Noe and I started to discuss this case, and then uh, conversing more with Don Shrum, we were just totally at all and totally blown away by. What this man had to encounter, and then, and then until to, you know, up till today, he's still. There are some ramifications uh, based on this experience that he's still. It's still going through some very tough times. Psychological, you say? 
I'll more uh, we can when we get more into it. Post uh, traumatic uh, sy- symptoms. Um, sure, he had a number of nightmares. Um, but he what what he really wanted was he wanted to get the story out to the public and uh, about this particular story that he that he had encountered. And who knows? I mean, there might be other stories very similar that we're not aware of that has never gotten the publicity, or other researchers haven't had a chance to really research, to really get into. Maybe something similar, but like no, we had mentioned there are similarities between some of these other major cases that were very, very uh, focused back in you know Betting Barding Hill, and as Noe had mentioned, the Pascagoula alien abduction cases. Okay, where should we progress here? Would you like to start playing one of these interviews so we can get a sense of what this gentleman is like? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to set the stage for the first clip. And uh, now what I want you to do is give me the name of the clip so I know which one to choose. Go yeah, we're, we're, going to, we're going to be going to the appearance of the mothership, which kind of initiated the whole thing here in a few in a couple moments. Uh, I, I want to lead up to that by talking about you know, what they were doing at the time and so forth. So this was September 4th, 1964, and it was a Friday. And all three men that were that went out hunting that day, all three of them worked at Aerojet Corporation of Sacramento, as I had mentioned previously. And Mr. Shrum, who was the principal eyewitness in this case, who was 26 years old at the time, he's now in his in his middle 70s, he worked as a welder and a painter for Aerojet, and at the time of this incident, he was working on the Polaris missiles, the Titans, and the Hawk surface-to-surface missiles. And he he has told us uh, that he distinctly remembers, you know, what it was like at that time to be to be doing all that. And the other two hunters that went with him. Uh, were also working at the same factory there in Sacramento. So they decide, they had a long weekend. They decided they had been out hunting before, but not exactly in the same area. So they decided to go out to the Tahoe National Forest, uh, which is east of Sacramento, close to the border with Nevada. And um, so the hunters uh, took what was then known as Route 40 to the east. It's now roughly corresponds to Interstate uh, Highway 80. And they um, they made camp down in an area near Cisco Grove, California, uh, which is in the, in the Tahoe National Forest. And there's a place there called the Loch Levin Lakes. And it was near one of the, those small lakes that they set up camp early in the day on Friday. And then they walked around... And I, and I don't think I mentioned earlier that they, this was a bow hunting expedition because it wasn't rifle season yet. Uh, the men had been out; they had been out previously hunting both with rifle, using rifles as well as bow and arrow. So this particular case, before the start of of the rifle season, they went out with their bow and arrows, and they were looking primarily for deer. So they spent the day on Friday looking around uh, and not able to find much in the way of um, you know, game. And so it was getting near dark. Mr. Shrum found himself on one side of a ravine, and one of the other hunters was on the opposite side of the ravine from him. And then the third hunter was down below in what in the canyon or the base of the ravine. And they were all moving parallel to each other. They had no communication equipment. They had been trying to remain roughly within earshot of each other. 
But what happened is Mr. Shrum thought that when he got to the end of the ravine, that there would be a, a way that he could cross over and rejoin his buddy on the other side of the ravine. But when he got to the end of it, there was no way to do that. And he found that he had to back up and go back the way he had come. Well, by that time, it was uh, considerably dark and would be dark very, very shortly. And he was concerned for his safety. As hunters often do when they're faced with a situation that they're out at night in an area that's unfamiliar and there are predators in the area, there had been reports of um, bears. I'll tell you uh, what, you're sighted. phrasing a frightening scenario here that we want to hear more <laughs> yes. about. The book is Aliens in the Forest. We're talking about the story involving Donald Shrum, Noe Torres, and Ruben Uarte. Join us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time that's store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store store.theparacast.com Did you know that how well your brain works is directly dependent upon how well your gut works? Did you know that an inflamed or compromised digestive system directly contributes to poor focus, depression, irritability, attention deficit, and hyperactivity? By eliminating the inflammation in your intestines and by having good bacteria populations, you may enjoy better brain function. The most important protein your body needs to keep inflammation down is glutathione. The number one food to support a dramatic increase in glutathione production is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. Virtually all whey proteins are damaged by heat, filtration, and chemicals, except one. One World Whey is the most life-giving whey protein on the market. It is changing the lives of its users in very positive ways. One World Whey may act as one of the most important health foods to support your and your child's optimal brain function. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Did you ever think you'd be where you are a decade into the 21st century? Record foreclosure rates for homes. If not yours, your neighbors. Thankful for the unemployment check since you were laid off. And placing your child's name on the angel tree in hopes of a Christmas gift along with thousands of other Americans. Did you ever think your future would feel this out of control? The fact is, in all this craziness, there's only one thing you can control. 
your greatest dependency, your food supply. Make 2012 the year you take control by getting prepared. eFoods Direct introduces the best way to build your food supply in the 21st century. Get a 21-day supply of food free with purchase. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Take back control in 2012. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Remember, you can bet your life on eFoods Direct. Ready to save while getting prepared? Then you're ready for the winter sale at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Take advantage of the incredible savings on all items at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Portable AM, FM, and shortwave radios from 1995. American Red Cross emergency radios and Cato radios from 2895. Solar lanterns from 2295. Solar flashlights, two for 1695. Hand crank LED hurricane lanterns and flashlights from 895. Be sure to check out the flexible solar panels to power your emergency and survival gear. Every order over $75 will receive a solar-powered flashlight absolutely free. So get prepared this winter by visiting 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spelled the number two, the number one, S-T-CenturyGoods.com. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Or call 866-999-8422. That's 866-999-8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we're talking about a new book, Aliens in the Forest, the Cisco Grove UFO Encounter, from September 4th of 1964, just five days before my birthday. I was 492 years old then, <laughs> with Noah Torres and Ruben Uarte. Let's continue with the story. Who wants to pick it up? Yes, uh, continuing on then, we were talking about Mr. Shrum and two of his buddies from work, from the Aerojet Corporation, were out in the Tahoe National Forest when it started getting dark. They became separated from each other. And as hunters often do, they find they try to find a safe haven for the night because, you know, there are predators to take into consideration. There were bear uh, sighted in the area as well as other predators. And also, Mr. Shrum was, and the hunters were basically unfamiliar with the terrain there. So you've got ravines, you've got, you know, it'd be real easy to hurt yourself, twist an ankle, fall down a ravine. So... He was looking for a thinking of a place that he could, you know, spend the night uh, in a safe place and then rejoin the other two men that he had gotten separated from uh, at a later point. So one of the things that he decided to do was there was no other obvious uh, haven uh, that he could spend the night in, um, like a cave or anything like that. So he decided to go up in a in a tree and it was a pine tree. He had on his person, uh, uh, around his waist, he had a military-style belt that he could um, unfasten and loop around one of the larger branches up, up in the tree and, and thereby secure his position up there uh, for spending the night. And that way he would be safe from most, you know, most predators and any dangers, and he could just wait it out for a few hours until it got light again and then try to rejoin his companions. So that's what he determined to do. This is not unusual for hunters to do this. Well, he was up in that tree when he saw a light off in the distance to the north, north of his position. 
And he thought at first that it might be a helicopter that had been sent to rescue him by his two fellow hunters who obviously had discovered that he had gotten himself lost for the night and they might have gone to their local park ranger, the forest ranger station, and maybe called for help and then a helicopter was sent. This was what was running through Mr. Shrum's mind. As we will hear in this first clip, the appearance of the mothership, it turned out to not be a rescue helicopter, but something else altogether. And then I saw a light. It looked like a lantern going up and down a trail. But then it came over the, over the, over the top of a tree, and I got kind of excited then because I thought it was a, a helicopter from the Forest Service. And uh, I, I, I stood between two of the fires that I built on the, on the rocks and waved my arms and yelled and screamed. And, and uh, finally, uh, that light started coming towards me. So I was really relieved then because I thought it was a helicopter still until it got within, oh, maybe 60 feet or yards. I'm not sure of the distance at night. Uh, but it just stood, hovered there with no sound. So then I panicked because I knew it was no helicopter. I thought it was something from outer space. But it looked like, all I could see is a little, about an eight inch glow. So I thought it was just a little tiny this, you know, flying saucer, and then I, uh, I kind of panicked and I threw my bow up in the tree again and hand walked out there that limb and got up in the tree. And I had all camouflage clothing on, so I figured, well, they won't see me here, you know. But then this this light went a half circle around me over the canyon then I could see the whole the shadow of the whole uh, spacecraft and it was that was just a, a light that was on the nose of it so what he first thought was just a small little bright light actually he realized that that was just a a small light that was on a much larger ship and he later described it to us, and when he underwent regressive hypnotherapy later, uh, it became even more focused that this was an extremely large object. It was approximately 150 feet from stern to bow. To bow. And so, in other words, it was the equivalent of a 14-story building, and it was cigar-shaped and had a very dark hull. And... Uh, I believe Ruben had some additional comments on it. Ruben, did you want to? Oh, uh, go ahead, Noe. Uh, when we get to the, uh, the to the scout ship, which we'll get right, right. into. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah, ask one question, okay. quick question. Okay, because just a quick alarm bell sort of rang, and this is the thing, of course, that some of the skeptics were raised, and let's get it out of the way. He recalled some details through hypnosis, or is everything basically physically remembered and then hypnosis maybe just helped him a little that's bit? A, that's a very good point, and, and we need to say that all of the details of the case that were presented tonight were mainly taken from Paul Cerny's interview with 
with Mr. Shrum just a few months after the incident happened. There was no hypnotherapy done until many years later. And when uh, hypnosis was finally used, what it did was it just confirmed all the details that had been given in previous interviews and then just gave a couple of small additional details. Okay, um, one more question. When were these recordings made? The recordings that we're listening to tonight, uh, Ruben yeah. made this, uh, recently. And, uh, Go ahead. Yes. There, well, actually, um, this goes back in uh, 2005. Um, I had the uh, privilege to uh, to stay with the Shrums. They invited me over to um, to their to their home as a guest, and I spent several days with them. And what I had with me were a number of the materials and documents that that, that are now in our book uh, that was uh, put together by Mr. Paul Cerny uh, again back in the early '67. 65 through 67 and some other other periods because he kept working with Mr. Shrum on this case. We were real fortunate, uh, Gene and Chris, to have not only the documents, but we actually had uh, the actual transcription of the interview. And so that helped me quite a bit. Um, then uh, when I met with, uh, with Don Shrum, uh, we were fortunate that his son also videotaped of the entire interview. So I had basically the same kind of questions that Paul used almost 40, 50 years ago, but I also had some different questions. And what I was totally amazed is that this man never really ch- never changed his story. He, he was right on as it happened back 50 years ago. So you'll see in the detail in his description uh, as we continue with the, with the other audio clips. Okay, so this is a very important point to mention that it's not just somebody recalling 50 years later, oh, I saw a UFO. It is somebody who's lived with this for a great part of his adult life. Yes. Right, and I, I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued by, you know, the, the aspect of the, of, of the interviews uh, bringing out information that doesn't seem to, to or appear to change over all these years. Uh, Many cases that that come down the pike in the last couple, you know, couple three decades, the initial story tends to have legs and it grows and it more details are added on, becomes more sophisticated, more details are brought out. I could name some names um, of particular cases, but I won't. That's one of the things about this case that makes it, uh, as a field investigator, very compelling because yeah. it's rock solid from beginning to end. You, you don't have that um, that case getting legs and, and growing details, which um, I think is really uh, does add to the uh, the credibility factor. Yes, Chris, just to add real quickly, too, the thing that really also amazed me uh, is, and, and you probably can relate to this, uh, both Noe as well, and, and, and Gene, when you work with people, um, you study their body language, and the thing that really amazed me with, with Don was the fact that as he was describing his situation you could tell you could tell it was he was still very bothered he would he was going back into time and i could i was seeing him shake and i could see the pauses that he was uh, going through and I, and i was i looked and i was just looking through this man's eyes and and i just said what whatever he encountered back in in 64 it it obviously shook him up 
The uh, book so is called Aliens in the Forest. It's the case of Donald Trump. We'll be hearing more of the interviews with him from Ruben Yorte and Noe Torres. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're talking about a new book discussing the amazing encounter described by Donald Trump back in 1964 in the book Aliens in the Forest, the Cisco Grove UFO Encounter by Noe Torres and Ruben Iwarte with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Ruben, Noe, who wants to pick up the description as we progress into the description of this case? Okay, I'll pick it up here. Uh, thank you. We were in the forest with Don Shrum. He saw this light coming toward him, thought it was a helicopter at first, but then when he heard absolutely no sound at all, and then as it got really close to him, and he realized that it was not a helicopter, scrambled back up into the tree, and as it came around close and hovered over a ravine close to where the where this pine tree that Mr. Shrum had climbed up into was, then he saw that it was this immense 150-foot object, cigar-shaped object with a very dark hull. And right at the center of the hull, there appeared suddenly, as if they winked into existence, three lighted rectangular panels and out of the center of those three panels side by side you know vertically spaced equally spaced on the on the side of the ship out of the middle one of those lighted panels suddenly a smaller ship described as a dark object in this next clip we're going to hear in a minute came out of that center panel dropped down a ways down into the ravine and then zoomed horizontally over closer to where Mr. Shrum was, where it landed. So we're going to hear that in this next clip, which is called The Smaller Ship Appears. And then I saw three panels of light, like windows or whatever. And uh, they, uh, I saw a flash come from the bottom of the center one. 
and you saw a dark object go down to in the canyon and then I lost track of it and uh, then the next thing I saw was saw a little blinking light up on the top of originally where the the first one c came from this object that you first saw that left the, the, the uh, center panel what did it look like Tom? well at that time all I saw was a flash and saw a dark object go down the dark object would it what kind of, what shape was it? Well, I couldn't really say. It, was, it went so fast. But then I, I saw when it landed up on the, up on the ridge that it, uh, I could see uh, like a, a half, I could only see part of the top, but it had a little light on it and uh, looked like a, the top of a flying saucer really? that I'd seen in pictures. Uh, like a dome? Or yes. A, uh, yeah, like a dome. Okay. And then, uh, I, so I kept my eyes on that. And the one thing I wanted to ask here is, obviously he was familiar with some of the literature here about flying saucers and such before he had his encounter. Mr. Shrum told us that he had very little interest in UFOs. He had only read a few occasional articles when they appeared in the paper or in magazines that they uh, ran across. But he basically he, he didn't consider himself to be a skeptic and he didn't consider himself to be a believer. He just was not interested in it, wasn't relevant to his life. And so he didn't really ever pay much attention to it. Until, as as many eyewitnesses tell us, you know, until it, they come face to face with it themselves and experience it right before their eyes, it's very hard for them to believe one way or another. The other thing I, I just wanted to add is that over the last 50 years uh, that this case had evolved, uh, the Shrums, they, they wanted answers and they collected tons of material, articles uh, from different researchers. Uh, so when I met with them, I was amazed with the amount of um, materials that they had collected over the years. But then it, then it just made me realize that they really wanted to get to the bottom line of what, what happened to him and and who were these uh, beings or who were these people that, that came from another world and why were they there and why did they why, why did they affect? Why did they pick on uh, on Don? So, um, so, so that had that has a lot to do with it. They were slowly uh, trying to do their own research, and then we combined our documents. I shared with them what, what I had from Mr. Paul Cerny, and and then at the same time they shared and, and provided both Noe and I with the documents that they had. So that it was uh, that has a lot to do with perhaps why he, he's more familiar with the phrases. Now, the one thing I'm going to pose here, another one of those questions, and that is, at no time did he ever think that maybe he was having some kind of hallucination? No, it never. Uh, he, I mean, he had uh, the hard physical evidence that, and plus he was conscious uh, through all. Well, hard physical time. evidence, yeah, we have to get into that, yes. Yeah, well, you'll hear about, uh, we, we can get into it with the audios, but the hard physical evidence is basically what he did to protect himself and the day after when he woke up he was looking for his art the, the items that he actually had 
thrown at these e, at these ETs. So I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead, but we'll catch up with the uh, with the with the audios. All right, let's just take it to the next stage. What happened next? So this smaller ship came out of the larger ship, right? And then it it, it apparently landed nearby, and um, Mr. Shrum was up in the tree, hoping that all of this action would kind of pass by him, and he would be an observer only. But unfortunately, that wasn't what actually happened. And within a few moments after the smaller ship landed nearby, he heard a rustling in the in the surrounding brush. And this was the arrival of the humanoids, as we're going to hear in this in this next audio clip. And uh, and I heard some thrashing through the brush in probably five, ten minutes. These two humanoids come out of the brush and they kind of broke some of the brush off and and uh, was looking at it and then they came straight underneath the tree and looked up at me and I, I knew right then I was fingered <laughs> they found you yeah they found me what and, you, can you describe them for us was briefly what they yeah were. they were looked like uh, four to five feet of course, I'm looking down at them, so they, they'd be shorter than they probably are. And uh, they had a silvery, like a one-piece uh, suit on, and it seemed like it had the, the joints, puffy joints, you know, on the shoulders and the, and the elbows, and, and the legs I didn't see that clear. The humanoids, um, what did their... Were you able to see their faces? No, I, it was just a kind of a dark shadow. I could see the the two uh, like eyes that were I like looked like welding goggles to me. They were the same as welding goggles. And then the rest of the face was kind of a blur. I couldn't see looking down at them. You're, you're able to see then the, the very was it large or small? They're they're, they're about two inches in diameter. It reminded me just, like I said, like a w welding goggles. All right. So he sees them. They look real. They look physical. What can you say? Very interesting uh, observations Mr. Shrum made about these beings. Uh, he estimated that there, there could have been perhaps as many as six of these humanoid beings. See, one of the unusual things about this case is that, uh, you know, a lot of UFO events happen within a fairly short time frame. Um, of course, we think of like the Travis Walton uh, abduction, which occurred over a five-day span. and that but this was, that seemed was to a, drag itself out a little bit. The, but this one here was, sure. was 12 hours long. The witness is Donald yeah. Shrum, whom you've heard. You've heard the actual audio clips. The book is Aliens in the Forest from Noe Torres and Ruben Yorte. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. 
At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hi, Mike Penz with Midas Resources Incorporated, Senior Monetary Specialist. With foreign countries going bankrupt and states within the United States going bankrupt, not to mention all the Ponzi schemes in the marketplace, do you think your money and investments are safe? Of course not. Call me, Mike Penz, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. I can help answer any questions you have about protecting your money, whether it be personal possession or holding precious metals in an IRA. Gold carries a 6,000-year history that is the only real and lasting money in the world. Paper currencies have come and gone. Governments have toppled. The world map has changed many times, and yet gold still thrives in almost every country. Gold is the ultimate store of wealth. Central banks continue to maintain reserves of gold. Common sense begs the question, why? Let me help you answer that question. Call me, Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. Call now, and I will send you free information on precious metals. Call Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. What if pain could be reduced, ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep, penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at Bio mats.com spelled B-I-O dash M-A-T-S dot com or call 360-944-8692 that's 360-944-8692 visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a biomat have you ever seen a U.S. postage stamp featuring Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, or George Washington? If you're into stamp collecting, you know it's a fun, affordable hobby. America's leading stamp dealer is the Mystic Stamp Company, and they want you to have their free 140-page color catalog. Go to mysticstampad.com, the website of the Mystic Stamp Company, serving stamp collectors since 1923. Mystic Stamp is well-known in the industry for its experience, superior customer service, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to M-Y-S-T-I-C-Stamp-A-D.com to request your free 140-page U.S. stamp color catalog packed with collecting tips, special offers, color photos, and over 4,600 available stamps. Call 800-433-7811 or go to mysticstampad.com. That's 800-433-7811 and ask for your free U.S. stamp catalog or mysticstampad.com. Mystic Stamp Company, America's leading stamp dealer. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. We're talking with Noe Torres and Ruben Yorte. 
You're with Gene and Chris in the PowerCast, and we've been hearing the story involving Donald Trump in September of 1964, described in the book Aliens in the Forest. He faces from the tree six humanoid beings, right? Yes, only two appear at first, but l- later as, as the encounter went on over a span of about 12 hours, he saw, he thinks, as many as six of them you know, around the area of the the base of the tree. So he was hoping at this point, you know, that he could, he might be able to go by unnoticed. But when the initial two humanoids that broke out of the brush and came right up to the base of the tree, when they looked up at him, and then at that point he knew that he had been seen. Some interesting observations he made about them is that in addition to you know, finding him and locating his his presence there and looking up at him. But before they did that, they were going around, apparently looking at all the surrounding vegetation, breaking little bits off. Um, He got the impression that they were conducting some sort of surveillance or research uh, in in that area. It almost begins to sound a bit like E.T., where they're taking soil samples and plants and everything like that. Right, except uh, it turned out that they weren't the kind that just wanted to phone home. They apparently <laughs> wanted to take a few things with them when they went home, including I, I have a, a question here, Noy. At this point now, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that he, he had built a fire. Now, to your uh, recollection uh, of the account, was that fire still uh, glowing? Was there any evidence of... of of heat that may have been present there um, near the tree. In other words, how did they vector in on that spot? I'm, I'm just curious. I was wondering yeah. if the very fire was still, still going. Yeah, very interesting question. And actually, the fires that he set actually play into the overall happenings on this evening. He had set three small signal fires atop some flat boulders that were around the base of the tree, and he did that in order to signal the the object that he thought was a rescue helicopter coming for him. So he set these three small fires. He always carried, when he went hunting, he carried lots of matches, and he gathered together brush and set these three small fires. By the time the humanoids arrived, the three small signal fires had kind of died down to where there was just a little bit of embers, you know, a little glowing and a little bit of smoke. Right, and but it was it was more than enough to uh, to vector them into his location. Apparently so, because uh, when when the object started moving in its direction, it came very quickly. It hovered nearby, and then, of course, the small ship came out, and then the, the beings appeared a few moments later. So they, that apparently gave up his position to them. But he, at this point, it didn't appear that the humanoid beings were doing any taking any sort of aggressive action toward him. They had acknowledged his presence in the tree, but... He seemed to be okay, and he thought that maybe he would be okay. Uh, but unfortunately, there was an entirely different type of being that appeared on the scene next, which was a lot more menacing and ended up being the cause of a lot of grief for him during this 12-hour encounter. And we're going to listen to that in the clip called The Robot Arrives. And in... Uh then I saw uh, two flashing red-orange light eyes 
coming, just picking his way down the ridge, just between the rocks and and around them and everything, and come down and was on the this big boulder, this big flat rock, uh, and then uh, he kind of looked up at me and he and he. Uh, moved his hand in in this through the fires cinders and kind of scattered them and the uh, the eyes of this other uh, creature like uh, the robot what what did that look like to you it had uh, kind of like fire it's kind of a orangish reddish orange or yellowish orange uh, and they it kind of flickered like fire and they're about the same diameter as uh, about two inches in diameter as the humanoids. Of course, when you say robot, I think of Dave Earth stood still and I say, okay, Gort showed up. One of the interesting things in his description is he's not entirely certain that it was a mechanical being at all. Sure. He was just giving us, giving his impression, his overall impression of the manner in which the creature walked. It could have been a bulky suit. Uh, it could have been the same type of being as the humanoids. Certainly, it was roughly the same height and the same general appearance. The eyes were very similar. Uh, so we don't know exactly, um, you know, what it was. But a lot of, and Ruben can attest to this, there are many, many cases in UFO investigation history where the beings uh, seen at UFO encounter sites are described as mechanical, appearing mechanical, or appearing robotic. Isn't that right, Ruben? Y- yes. Uh, the thing that we, we were really, uh, again, this was another part of the whole encounter was he was dealing with another type of being. And when we got into the research, we found other UFO cases that refer to robot-like creatures. So we, we added that into the book. So, as Noe had mentioned, that it was this particular being that really made made it very very rough for uh, for Mr. Don Shrum. I would think after this, you know, what's going to happen next? It's like the hits keep on coming. It it doesn't end. <laughs> it just keeps on coming there. So I'll let I'll let Noe, if Noe could continue with the next uh, phase of it. Yeah, the the, the amazing thing was that. You know, Mr. Shrum had, had faced up to the humanoids, and they didn't seem to be bothering him too much. They seemed to be mainly looking around. But then this creature, this strange creature, that to him gave him the impression that it was more menacing or threatening to him, came right up to the base of the tree. And, uh, you know, the signal fires that we mentioned previously that he had set atop of the boulders, this this mechanical-looking creature kind of swept those off with one of its hands. And uh, then it came right up under him within six or seven feet of where he was up in the perch, in his perch up in the tree, the pine tree. And all of a sudden it did something extremely unusual. Yeah, I have to switch to our next segment in a moment. So I kind of know what's coming because I can see the title of the clip. So I'm going to withhold it from you listeners. You're going to say, what is Gene doing? He's crazy. He's not telling us what's going to happen. 
I will tell you that the book is called Aliens in the Forest, The Cisco Grove UFO Encounter. You get it from Amazon. It's also available as a Kindle edition. So if you can't wait to see a physical book, you can download the book and play it on your Kindle or Kindle app. That makes it a good way, I suppose, to get instant gratification. The authors are Noe Torres, Ruben Yorte. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Dead in 90 Days. 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people, like Ernesto, are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. 
Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. This is something, I'll tell you, if I saw something like this, if I was in the forest and I was being accosted or being terrorized by apparent alien beings as Donald Trump did, I'd be scared out of my wits. I couldn't tell you what I'd be doing. But I want to get out of there as quickly as possible. Find some well, way that I can install buildings in a single bound or something. We have Noe Torres, Ruben Yorte with us. The book is Aliens in the Forest. And you guys were about to introduce another audio segment. Should we let that play? Because that says so much. Yes, let's hear that. Then he come down uh, up on the rock. He was about seven feet from me. And uh, then he he touched his mouth and uh, kind of a steam vapor come out of his mouth and it lit up his face so I could see some detail and then uh, I, I blacked out when that steam hit me or I guess it was it was kind of kind of took the the air from me and I'd gas for air and then black out and I fell over my bow and that's the only thing that kept me in the tree and then uh, so I figured they were out to get me then oh man oh man <laughs> are there other cases guys where the creature the robot whatever it is would present this kind of gaseous effect? Actually, there have been a, a few cases that Ruben and I looked at. And uh, interestingly enough, we've talked about the Travis Walton abduction, which happened in the 70s. And Travis Walton reported that um, at one point he had been uh, taken aboard what apparently was, was a UFO, and he had been held there for five days. And near the end of his encounter... And interestingly enough, there were also two distinctly different types of beings that he saw aboard that ship. There was a humanoid form, and then there was a, a smaller, something 
close to what we might consider to be a gray but didn't quite look the same in, in terms of its facial features. But anyway, near the end of the encounter, Travis Walton said that one of the humanoids moved something, uh, some kind of strange object up to his face, and then this vapor came out, causing him to black out. And then he found the next thing he knew, he was lying on the street back on Earth. You know, the encounter was over. So, uh, and, and Ruben, do you have any, any additional cases that you, that you ran across regarding vapor that's used? I believe there was that other case. Uh, there were several that uh, we were looking at um, in Argentina where a woman had confronted a robot-like creature. And um, it was also where she also had felt the uh, the effects of it almost knocking her out. Uh, we actually have a, a, a number of other other cases that we have described in it, but I mean, isn't that? It's just amazing how we come across a case that has everything. I mean, the the humanoids and then the robot creature, and then without jumping ahead, it, it there'll be more encounters with the with this, ro- this robot type being. Well, the thing I notice just in the part that you've told us so far is that it's not a one-off so far. In other words, parts of this case can be found in other cases as you separate the various elements. Yeah, exactly. you can go all the way back into the late 1800s. There were a couple of spring Jack sightings that featured spring Jack ejecting some sort of vapor uh, into very startled witnesses' uh, direction. Okay, so he's gassed by this robotic-type creature. Right. We are thinking that, I mean, it's, it's fairly evident, and he, Mr. Shrum describes it this way himself, that this must have been a, an asphyxiant, an asphyxiant gas. Uh, the most common as, asphyxiants that we know of today are nitrogen, argon, and helium. So what these do is they're, they're not toxic in and of themselves. In other words, they don't necessarily damage human tissue. However, they still can be damaging or lethal because of the fact that they they essentially eliminate all the oxygen from the surrounding air and could actually lead to suffocation. However, in the case, uh, in the small amounts that were being dispelled by this mechanical-like being up at Mr. Shrum in the tree, because the amount was apparently quite small and affected just a limited area, he would only black out for a very short period of time possibly a couple of moments, minutes. Uh, He wasn't exactly sure of how long he was out. Evidently then to try uh to subdue him so they could possibly take him with them? Well, yes. As we're we're going to hear uh, hear about shortly, what happened is that the robot creature would emit this gas and cause him to black out, and then the humanoids would attempt to climb the tree. But Mr. Shrum would always awaken from a stupor while the humanoids were in the process of attempting to climb the tree and reach him. And then he would do something to hamper their efforts. He would shake the tree. He would kick at them. You know, he would, he would be okay. But this was a repetitive process that occurred for hours where he would be constantly under attack uh, from this robot issuing vapor at him and then the humanoids attempting to climb. So, Early on in this encounter, you know, right after the first gassing, in fact, he decided that if he was going to survive this night and see his young bride and their one-year-old daughter ever again, he was going to have to take the offensive 
and start doing something to help his situation. And so as we're going to hear in the next clip, the only weapon, offensive weapon that he had with him were was his bow and three arrows from his earlier hunting experience. So he decided to use the bow and arrows against this robot creature, as we'll hear in, the, uh, in this next clip called Shooting His Arrows. So I, I had a 60-pound bow, which is a very high velocity. And I, I shot, uh, seeing how the robot's the only thing that was causing me harm, I shot the chest area. And it has the velocity of a rifle at that at that distance, because I'm only about seven eight feet from him. And it, when I hit the chest, the sparks would fly, like electrical, like an arc welder kind of. And then that uh, that robot backed up and almost knocked him down. He. Kind of fell back against the rock, and the two at the at the bottom took off and headed to, for the brush, and stood out there about thirty feet from me. And uh, then uh, I shot uh, two more arrows, and about the same time sequence that. Uh, these uh, two humanoids would, every time I'd shoot, they'd go back up into the, the brush, just, out of, just almost out of sight from me. Curious, noticing in this particular description, how low-tech these aliens appear to be. I mean, other than the robot emitting some kind of gas to subdue him, you know, they didn't have a ray gun. They didn't point their phasers at him and stun him. You kind of wonder about this. It is very strange. I think yep. we want to discuss that more. And as we progress here, we don't have, you know, unless we move it up a little faster, we may not be able to hear all the audio clips. So let's see if we could move up the description. We have Noe Torres and Ruben Yorte. We're talking about the case of Donald Trump and his encounter with some aliens who wanted to take him on a trip, and he didn't want to go. The book is Aliens in the Forest. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. 
Do you suffer from low-functioning adrenal or thyroid? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings comes off of your teeth both as a vapor and as particles into your body? Wherever mercury deposits in your body, it stops cells from functioning normally. Animal studies show that mercury causes kidney function to drop by 60%. Mercury deposited into your adrenals or thyroid will cause a corresponding drop in function. The number one method by which your body detoxifies itself of mercury is glutathione. The number one superfood that helps turn on all 10 trillion cells of your body to produce glutathione is non-denatured whey protein from grass fed cows. After investigating most high-end whey proteins on the market, only one is the most non-denatured, the most active, the most complete, and in our opinion, the most powerful in what nature originally put into the fresh raw whey. It is One World Whey. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. We're talking about the case of Donald Trump, and you've been hearing segments of their interview that Ruben Norte and Noe Torres did for their book, Aliens in the Forest. Guys, wanted to ask the question that I raised earlier. Did it occur to you that strange how low-tech these aliens were and what they were doing? Yes, um, knowing I had, had we've been discussing that, and as far as uh, unlike other cases, the fact that these guys, really, if they really wanted to harm him, I mean, they could have done something else, um, but they didn't. And but again, uh, Don put up a hell of a fight uh, where he shot his arrows, and if we depending on the time, there, we have a description. 
in the audio where he used where basically Don used low tech weaponry against these 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 uh, aliens. Uh, he used fire. He used anything that he could throw at them. He broke off branches and he used his bow and arrows. Now it would have been pro- we don't know what the outcome would have been had he ha- actually had a rifle or a gun. Uh, this is something that we we've been discussing. They could have. So, yeah. Et was lucky that night, I guess. Yeah. No, well, sometimes uh, these more advanced types of weaponry do not operate in the presence of these UFOs. So it's you know oftentimes experts tell us that if if our planet is ever invaded by a superior alien race, low tech would actually be the way that would offer us the most options to overcome in the long run. So, uh, Mr. Something like had, the movie Day yeah. the Earth Stood Still, where Plateau right. and Gort disable our electric power systems. Exactly, but mm-hmm. but Mr. Shrum had no such electrical systems at all. He had one of the uh, mankind's most primitive weapons, which was a bow and arrow, and then he resorted to uh, throwing fire down at them. If we have time to listen to this next clip, sure, let's do threw, that right now, where yeah. he's throwing fire and coins at E.T. and their robot. That's a a good twist. (laughs) Then I I ran out of uh, arrows, so I only had three left. And uh, I started, I thought, well, I had, that's when pomade hair, (laughs) is just, I mean, the the cap I had on was just soaked with oil. This is for your hair? Yeah, from my hair, yeah, 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 pomade. And uh, they, uh, I always carried uh, all kinds of books of matches with me when I hunted. And so I lit that cap and it just blazed up and I dropped it down the base of the tree. And just in that instant, they, they moved back about 12, 15 feet and the, the, I, I glanced over at the, the ship that was uh, over the canyon, kind of almost level with me, and it was almost out of sight. It was just like a star. It moved that fast, wow. just in that second. So then I got the idea that they're scared of fire. So I, I burned everything but my T-shirt and my jeans, and uh, come to find out later on that, that it was 32 degrees, out and I was shaking and kind of exp- overexposed for the weather. And I, at one time, I threw, uh, I had a bunch of change and I threw it down, and they they all kind of gathered around it. Well, well they, they were very rich ETs, huh? Shot my, uh, <laughs> I love it. Hey, he's throwing money. Stuff and throwing it down, and I even uh, uh, tied some some of my shirt that I ripped up uh, to a compass so I could try to hit some brush because there wasn't nothing right underneath the tree. And then uh, I caught a little pile of brush on fire. I figured that would bring the cavalry. <laughs> that uh, when I run out of stuff to burn, I headed for the top of the tree and then, then I'd, I'd uh, I, it was pretty sparse tree I could see down to the ground. And I broke off the top and threw it down. And, and any time I'd throw 
down or, or shake the tree, these humanoids would back up. Obviously, they were timid humanoids. Is that an observation to make? Uh, my impression is that um, they weren't intending to run across any any humans. I mean, obviously, they were there on some other kind of mission. It so wasn't they part of their game yeah. plan. It was something It wasn't unexpected. part of their initial game sure. plan. But yeah, no, once, no, yeah, I also have another uh, question. How far yes. down uh, in the timeline are we at this point where... He's exhausted his resources uh, to fight them off. He's climbed to the top of the tree. They're, they're, they're picking up coins, thinking they, they're getting a tip from the whole deal. Um, how far down in the timeline are we in terms of, of the timeline? You know, uh, and the other question, like Chris, is whether later, you can buy uh, off E.T. You know, if you offer them some money, they won't abduct you. Well, it may so. have worked. I mean – you know, okay, it's, so, I, I, I'm still, you know, you say this is a 12-hour event. How, where are we in the timeline? Okay, so um, we've done research into this, and sundown that evening, September 4th, 1964, occurred at about 7 p.m. Pacific time, and Mr. Shrum sighted the mothership at about 9 p.m., to about two hours after, after sundown, and at sometime between 9.30 and 10 p.m., uh, is when he sighted the humanoids, followed shortly thereafter by the first robot. So the actual battle between Shrum and the aliens raged from about 10.30 uh, until daybreak, uh, which was the next day, according to our research, was about 5.30 a.m. So we are getting now toward the last few parts of this story uh, when, um, you know, of the, of the encounter. Do you want to play a later part of the interview here to get a well, sense of how yeah. it was wrapping up? I think what we, what, yeah, we can play the, the major turning point of the whole encounter is the next, is, is going to be the next clip, which, you know, he's been getting these uh, periodic, uh, vapor being emitted from this mechanical type creature. It knocks him out. Then when he comes to a few seconds or a minute or two later, then he sees the humanoids trying to climb the tree. And this goes on repetitively for a while. Is this the then, final gassing recording? Right. Okay, and, let's hear then, that right now. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. After I went to the top of the tree, I, I had a military belt and I moved it out to the last hitch and, and put it around me and the, and the tree. So in case I did get gassed, they wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't fall down. And then, uh, I, like I said, I threw chains down and everything to try to distract them. And then finally, they... Uh, these two humanoids stepped back from the tree and another robot came and there was two just uh, uh, about the same place that the two uh, humanoids were and this they stood facing each other and the flames just like uh, lightning and it real real bright and it just came between them. And uh, then 
I, it, the gas was so thick coming up the tree that it, 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 it would uh, dissipate just about the time I got to me. But then that's when I'd start to gas for air. And, and then when I woke up from that, is, uh, it was light, but the sun hadn't come up yet. And uh, I was just hanging by my belt, my head down, my feet down, and they were gone. Well, I knew I made it. <laughs> I lived through the night. Just to go back. Did you did you fall asleep, or I mean, or this gas? It was it over? Did it overwhelm you? Uh, yeah, that's when it just it completely engulfed the whole tree and and got up to me. And at, I don't know how long I was I was out, but it was just uh, it was you could see just a, a dim glow of the sun in the on the clouds and stuff not clouds but in the sky and in uh, when I woke up it was light but the sun hadn't come up yet we're hearing there from Donald Trump talking about the case in the book Aliens in the Forest with Ruben Nuarte and Noe Torres with Gene and Chris you're in the Paracast <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is going to be fascinating. It's very rare on the Paracast that we actually let you hear the witnesses of the case unless we have the witnesses on, of course. We're listening to the incredible, frightening encounter in his youth, a young man in his 20s, Donald Trump, being confronted by possible alien beings, a robotic creature, being shot gas. What a mess. Noe Torres and Ruben Yorte are putting it all together. Okay, guys, in our final portion of the show here, tell us, after this, where did this go? What happened next? Well, the, as we heard in the last clip before the break, Mr. Shrum passed out when he saw another 
robotic-looking creature come up to the base of the tree, and the two robots faced each other. There was a flash of light that came between them, and then a tremendous volume of vapor, much more than he had previously experienced, came up and engulfed the entire tree and knocked him out for what could have been hours. Uh, he doesn't know exactly how long he was out, but when he came to, it was nearly daybreak, and there was no sign of the creatures. Every They were gone. Everything was was still. And he was hanging by this military belt that he had draped around the, the, uh, the trunk of the tree. And he was just hanging there, head down, in the tree. And um, How far up was he? He was approximately eight or nine feet off the ground, I believe. He's um, really lucky that he didn't fall. Right. Boy. Well, wait a minute. He said he climbed to the top of the tree. Um, yeah. How tall was the tree? That's a really good question. Do you remember the height of the tree, Ruben? No, no. I think it was about uh, based on the uh, the height of the uh, I, on the picture. So I would say it's about at least thirty feet. There was another item that he, that Don had shared with us. He said when he had first climbed up that tree. He had noticed that there were bear claws on the bark already. Yeah, so, so anyway, uh, the thing that uh, Don had shared with us was that when he initially climbed up that tree, he noticed there were a number of uh, bear claws markings on it. So that tree has been visited before. The other thing that was really interesting is that tree was on a ledge of a canyon. He actually thought of jumping off, and he didn't want to be captured. He would have—that's what—that's what it was going through his mind. He was going to jump down to the in, down to the canyon floor. But what kept him, what changed his mind, was the fact that he had, uh, as Noe had mentioned earlier, a young baby girl who was about a year old and a young wife, and this is what motivated him to uh, to survive. All right, now what happened to his two friends? Okay, that, that's a very good question, and it fits in here very nicely, because the initial appearance of the mothership coming down from the Earth's atmosphere and hovering over Mr. Shrump's position, that was witnessed by one of the other hunters that was with him, although he was physically separated by a couple of miles, he was at another uh, place in the forest, he saw that, that mothership arriving uh, out of the sky, and unbeknownst to him at that time, this was the... This was Mr. Shrum's friend, Vincent Alvarez, who later filed a written affidavit stating that he saw the initial appearance of the mothership. Unknown to Mr. Alvarez at the time, when he saw the object zoom across the sky and then go and, and, and uh, you know stop somewhere up ahead, he didn't realize that, that that ship was now right at the position where Mr. Shrum was located at that time. Um, the third hunter was um, had made his way back to the base camp that they had established earlier in the day, Tim Trueblood, uh, who was a resident of Loomis, California. So um, he had made his way back to camp, and eventually uh, Mr. Alvarez also joined him at the base camp, and they were unaware of what was going on just a few miles away in the tree where Mr. Shrum was fighting off these strange creatures. So they got to see the ship or whatever it was, but they never knew until they talked with him later what right. Donald had encountered. That's correct. Now, when he came down from the tree, he saw all the stuff that he had thrown down, 
you know, the night before he found his arrowheads, and he uh, kind of stumbled his way back toward the camp. And uh, about halfway back to where the camp would have been, he ba- basically passed out from fatigue. But at that time, his buddies were already looking for him, and Vincent Alvarez was the one who found him in the brush, helped him back to camp. And he told him a little bit of the story, but then he basically fell asleep for six hours. And it wasn't until, you know, after he woke up that he finally told them. And at that point, Mr. Alvarez realized that the ship that Mr. Shrum had seen was the very ship that he also witnessed coming down out of the sky. I just have one question that occurs to me here. Did Mr. Shrum ever have any feeling that something else happened, maybe transpired while he was knocked out? That's a very good question because that's exactly what plagued him for for a long period of time after this. In addition to suffering uh, ill effects that today we would call post-traumatic stress syndrome, he had screaming nightmares where he'd wake up covered in sweat. His wife testified to... He had a lot of trouble, nightmares about these beings that he saw in the forest that night. But in addition to all that, they were very concerned uh, that perhaps, you know, as far as he knew, he blacked out that last time and he was out for a long period of time, that perhaps the creatures had finally gotten to him, uh, you know, done whatever they wanted to with him and then just left him there in the tree. And that was a great matter of concern until he underwent uh, hypnosis um, at the behest of uh, UFO investigator Paul Cerny, uh, the late Paul Cerny, in 1967, which was three years after the event. Uh, They had a a session of hypnosis in the Shrum's home arranged by Mr. Cerny, and they took him back. They regressed him to the incident in the forest, They had him view the whole thing from the perspective of a detached observer looking down at the events. And it was at that point that it became clear to Mr. Shrum uh, that that the uh, creatures had never, never reached him and that they had departed shortly after he was finally blacked out for the last time. That's that's really important. I guess he was Uh, also really lucky. It was after that that, sure. you know, that, that session of hypnosis was what put his mind at ease mm-hmm. uh, because up until that point, he was extremely fearful that they would come back for him or that they might have done something to him, maybe implanted something in him. But the hypnosis gave him the confidence, the peace of mind that they had never actually reached him at all. That was a strong impression that he got as a result of reliving the experience. Yeah. Parenthetically, did he ever have any further UFO encounters throughout his life? Actually, he did, and there were instances. There was one instance where the family was camping, Mr. Shrum, Mrs. Shrum, and some friends, not at the Tao National Forest, but at another location. It was a family camping trip, and they were sitting around the campfire one evening talking, um, totally uh, not related to UFOs or anything. I mean, it had been a while since this incident had happened. They had kind of put it out of their minds as best they could. But while they were talking around that campfire, all of a sudden, Mr. Shrum was like in mid-sentence when all of a sudden he turned around and everybody that was sitting around the campfire noticed that he was staring off behind him at a ridge. There was a ridge nearby. 
And so he was looking, he was kind of holding one of his ears, and all of a sudden, over the ridge zoomed this glowing UFO that passed right over their camp. And all of the members of that of that camping party saw this. And after it had zoomed past them and gone past, they asked Mr. Shrum, how was it that he... Um, you know, that he had turned prior to the appearance of this object, and he told them that he had, he told them that he knew they were coming. He had heard this uh, vibration uh, in his ear, which nobody else that was there heard. Well, I'll get into and, more and, of that and, in yeah. a moment. They were not good vibrations. Noe Torres joins us, Ruben Yorke, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time that's store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store.theparacast.com Hey, everybody. Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery. So you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237 and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 
I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it, it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. I'm sorry about that crazy crack, disc jockey crack about good vibrations, but in the 60s, that was a popular song. No, we that was very popular. Ruben Uarte, the book is called Aliens in the Forest. Okay, so when did this occur again? The incident where he experienced a UFO sighting uh, was uh, in 1967 or 68, if, if memory recalls. I, I, I don't have the exact date here, but it was some years after the encounter. Any uh, other encounters after these two? Well, there was a strange episode that's told by his wife where they were again camping and they were in their tent late at night and it was totally dark. They felt a presence. They heard a rustling, rustling noises and they felt a presence inside the tent. They kind of huddled together in their sleeping bags and they just didn't want to deal with whatever might be there in the tent with them. And so they kind of just didn't do anything, just kind of weathered the storm, and then nothing nothing further happened. So they weren't sure if it might have been some kind of wild animal that had gotten in their tent, but they had this feeling that there was a presence in that tent with them. It, it gets a little more messier um, after this, um, in dealing with uh, his report to the United States Air Force, which uh, we if we're already past now the, the this aspect of it, uh, how okay, much more what time point did he report this to the Air Force? Well, that's a very interesting question because it was not his intent to seek out any publicity about this. He was worried about his job with the missile defense contracting firm that he worked with. And he did mention only to his immediate family members what had happened. And his mother-in-law happened to know a former college professor of hers who was an astronomer so she the mother-in-law arranged for mr shrum to speak to this astronomer uh there in the sacramento area and so mr shrum spoke to him by phone about his encounter and then and then they went to see him also in person well this gentleman uh turned around and contacted uh, one of the local air force bases to tell them and actually wrote a letter telling them about mr shrum's encounter well, as a result of this, two Air Force investigators were sent 
a meeting was arranged with Mr. Shrum and two investigators that they later found out had been dispatched out of uh, Wright-Patterson Air Base in Dayton, Ohio, which at that time was the, you know, the center of the world when it came to government UFO investigations. That was where Project Blue Book was run out of. That was where a lot of folks have said that there were a lot of odd UFO-related investigations being done by the government at that time. Well, at least so, two investigators. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, no, it was this particular case. Now, I, I don't seem to recall this was ever uh, part of Blue Book. Okay, there were a lot of things that were part of Blue Book that were not disclosed to the public. They only okay, disclosed. But, but, but officially, yeah. this was not a, a Blue Book case. And I, I could see why they would keep it right. secret because of no. the Aerojet the Aerojet uh, witnesses. But to my uh, recollection, this is not an official Blue Book case. They did not release it to the public. Uh, There were a lot of cases that were investigated, looked at by Blue Book, and were not released for public consumption. They tended to release only the weaker cases that had the easiest explanations, conventional explanations, and they kept back the real puzzlers for which there seemed to be. The fact that the Air Force dispatched Air Force officers to investigate the case, and it wasn't part of Blue Book. I mean, right. that uh, lends credence to the case, in my estimation. Right. Now, Dr. J. Well, you also have to now. wonder, before you go on, you yeah, have sorry. to wonder also, that being the case, how many sightings did Blue Book gather that never got into any of those reports? Exactly. If we read the materials written by J. Allen Hynek, who was a lead scientific investigator for Project Blue Book for years, for the whole time of its existence, and afterward he became one of the leading spokesmen for UFO research and became a civilian UFO researcher himself. If you read his statements after leaving Blue Book, it becomes clear, and he said it himself, that Blue Book was not an agency that was really trying to get at the mystery of the UFOs. Their their purpose was to try to allay public fears and suspicions and to just put out the cases that were extremely easy to con- you know to talk about and to circumvent and 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 give conventional explanations for so he himself was very very high on the shrum case and he did a lot of the investigation into it so he knew that there was something really solid and credible here just as he did with the Pascagoula Mississippi case because of it, we're we're running short on on time the thing, the aspect, or the thing that was, that made this very interesting is that the Shrums did meet with these two Air Force officials, and he, he did, you know, he explained to them what had happened, but uh, they didn't believe him. They were coming up with a number of, of of excuses. They were saying that perhaps these uh, it could have been caused by a group of Boy Scouts who were young teenagers that were out there in the woods doing a prank. Or of course, gassing somebody. That's always or, something that teenagers do. And the most, ridicu- the most ridiculous was that they could have been these, uh, what was it, Noe, uh, Japanese soldiers. Yeah, there could have been some holdover Japanese uh, soldiers from World War II still hanging around in the woods there, causing havoc upon poor uh, poor Americans who happened to be hunting in the woods. So yeah. that was another explanation that was shot out there. This stuff is wacky. It sounds oh, really it gets strange. very, very strange. Yes, and well, here's the thing: is that uh, Don and his brother and some friends they returned back to the site uh, about two, three weeks later. They found they found the tree. They found that were the charred markings from the fire. But the thing that uh, really uh, caught their attention was the fact that that entire area was raked. It was cl- picked clean. 
they found a bunch of cigarette butts, cigarette packages, and it uh, immediately they, they just knew that uh, that the Air Force or some military large task group was there. We have a really interesting clip on that from Mr. Shrum, if we ha- would have time for it, Sure. on, on the Air Force uh, investigation, so-called, uh, talking to the U.S. Air Force. Okay. I'll tell you what, we'll do that in the next segment because we don't have much time left before we have to spend a little time with our benefactors. But it'd be interesting to get his reaction. Talking to the Air Force, Donald Trump, and his encounter with them and the way they reacted to the case. And as you were telling me, of course, their efforts to explain it away, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it, it's Swampcast. That's before Swampcast. We didn't have Swampcast then. Japanese. (laughs) Japanese soldiers. Oh, that's wacky. Or maybe just some of the ones that they interned during World War II. They escaped finally. George Takai was there. That's yeah. it. Sulu came over. <laughs> it was Future all Sulu's fault. George Takai Spielberg's movie, 1941. Donald Trump is the witness we've been hearing from. We're hearing also from Noe Torres, Ruben Yorte, authors of Aliens in the Forest. This is got to be one of the more fascinating cases we've heard. You know, it's something that not just something flying overhead or someone being abducted, but hours and hours of being terrorized by... Who knows what these creatures were? I think Chris O'Brien there is channeling his inner trickster. You never know. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is the new world order world government? These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, from End Time Ministries. Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 
1-800-363-8463 or endtime.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Did you ever think you'd be where you are a decade into the 21st century? Record foreclosure rates for homes, if not yours, your neighbors. Thankful for the unemployment check since you were laid off. And placing your child's name on the angel tree in hopes of a Christmas gift, along with thousands of other Americans. Did you ever think your future would feel this out of control? The fact is, in all this craziness, there's only one thing you can control. Your greatest dependency, your food supply. Make 2012 the year you take control by getting prepared. eFoods Direct introduces the best way to build your food supply in the 21st century. Get a 21-day supply of food free with purchase. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Take back control in 2012. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Remember, you can bet your life on eFoodsDirect. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. As we continue with our discussion of the encounters of Donald Trump, the book Aliens in the Forest with Noe Torres and Ruben Norte, we do have a segment here where Donald Trump discusses his meetings with the Air Force back in the 1960s when Project Blue Book was really here and how they reacted. Let's hear that. Then what happened afterwards, Don? Uh, how, how, did you talk to anyone else about your, your... Well, my family, I told them. And then uh, the only outside person at that time was a, a professor at, uh, at one of the colleges. And my mother-in-law had gone... It was her professor when she was younger, so we told him the story, and he's the one that contacted uh, the Air Force. So what happened there, Don, with the Air Force? Uh... Well, they made an appointment with two uh, representatives of the Air Force, and they tried to uh, disillusion me. They said, well, you know, the... Japanese might have had somebody up there, you know, they were still, <laughs> you know, and they said it was Boy Scouts uh, dressed up, you know, in costumes just to scare somebody. And I said, yeah, I'm sure they're going to spend all night and keep a guy in a tree, you know. And, uh, oh, then they said well, the Army probably 
bivouacked up there and it was in a training camp. So my father-in-law was in the Air Force. So he called and found out there was no military in that area for any reason because it was, it was a pretty desolate area. And they tried to disillusion me in every way they could. And they, they took the arrowhead, the, the main one, and uh, they said, well, well, we'll get back to you and you can have this back as soon as we get through with it, which <laughs> I never did. But when I went back up there during rifle season, uh, I found the other arrow, the third one. You found two then, and then you found the, yeah. the other one. Um, and when we went back, uh, the area had been raked. There's an area probably 50 feet around that tree, and there was cigarette packages and cigar butts, and so I know the Air Force checked it out pretty good. And they, they had an easy way to find it because it was there's an orange circle around that tree that where I'd caught little fires, and it, it was showing orange, so it, they had no problem finding it. And I, I I marked on the map that they had where it was the location. Interesting here, of course, how careless the Air Force is. You know, they leave cigarettes, and they leave cigarette <laughs> packs. You almost think they wanted to be caught. Well, they took a bunch of guys, you know, on a detail and didn't didn't give them any any information. They just said, you know, rake this place up, you know, clean it up. So they had no idea what they were doing, and it makes sense. We've had similar accounts by witnesses in the past uh, where everything is is pretty much raked clean. And Mr. Shrum said there were definitely footprints all around the area, very strange little footprints, you know, prior to the Air Force coming in and cleaning everything up. So were any photographs taken when they went back up there during rifle season? Did anyone think of bringing a, a camera along? Yeah, in our book, uh, there's a whole bunch of pictures that were taken by Mr. Shrum and his brother. You know, they took pictures of the tree and the surrounding area. But by that time, of course, the Air Force had been there and there wasn't much left. And also in the clip, he mentioned that the Air Force had taken the one arrowhead that had definite trace evidence of it. Uh, on it from having struck the um, the robot creature. It had first of all, it had been bent over. You know, I'm assuming I'm up. assuming it was a metal a metal arrowhead because it sparked when it yes yeah, sparked it, and the, it sparked and it curled up from the force of hitting this robot and it had pieces of some kind of uh, or, or shavings or traces of something from the surface of that robot creature. So Mr. Shrum felt that that one arrow had the best chance of being analyzed in a lab and found to contain whatever materials these creatures were made of. You know, I have a bizarre question. It just occurred to me, guys. Okay, so the Air Force obviously made an intense investigation of this. Did you folks ever try to send a Freedom of Information inquiry to see if there's any documentation? Actually, Mr. Cerny and uh, Mr. Shrum did. You know, it's uh, in the in the late '60s, and okay. we have we have uh, some of those documents. 
We have a number of correspondences between uh, the Air Force and the civilian UFO investigators with NICAP and later MUFON. But basically, they kind of shuffled this under piles of papers and they classified it as psychological. That was the, the, you know, after they gathered everything and talked to the witness, they explained it away as being a psychological case. So basically, he had a 12 hour freak out. Yeah. Well, no, no. He was up there, and he maybe he stumbled on some panther amanitas, or they probably didn't have cows up there, so probably there were no cubensis, but maybe some amanita. I mean, they could explain this away with a variety of plants uh, in the Sierras, but, but, but Gene, we both know that, that <laughs> the Air Force has a way of um, ascribing ridiculous uh, interpretations of cases back in this time period, so... I personally feel that something happened to the guy yeah. uh, based on, on just listening to the tape recordings. It I seems find so it straight, so straightforward. Yeah, he's, he sounds really credible. Like, okay, this is what happened to me. Here we go. And the fact well, I like that, his little chuckles sure. when, he, when he says something kind of almost uh, absurd. You know, he chuckles like, oh, well. Yeah, yeah. he's a very down-to-earth individual. You know, he's yeah. not... He's not I'm, giving I'm very intrigued by this whole thing. I, I want to I know more. I, want, I think I want we'd like to have him on the show. Yeah. Would he wow, be willing, be... do you think, to come on man, the show? I would love and go to talk all to this... this guy. This is fabulous stuff, man. Sure. Is there a way that we can get any sort of um, FOIA um, in regards to that arrow? Man, because you're right. That has uh, probably had, you know, really definable physical evidence on it. Well, the last correspondence between the Air Force and the Shrums uh, in the early 70s, I believe, uh, the Air Force claimed that they no longer had it in their possession, that it had been given to a university somewhere, and then the Shrums tried to trace it at that university and and couldn't. Ruben, do you have any additional details on that? Pretty much uh, what you mentioned, Arnoe, and something real quickly... um, do you remember that television show called Project UFO back in 1978 that was produced by Jack Webb? Do, do you recall this that? This was something Fairly, where I, these I'm were sure investigators of UFO cases, and it was like Joe Friday. No, yes, exactly. but they were, they were and they, Officer they were, Frank Smith, but chasing UFOs instead of criminals. That's they exactly were, what it was. Yeah. Well, they they were with Project Blue Book, and there were the two Air Force officers that went around there. I think there were about 36 episodes that were produced and they actually did do a whole episode on the on the Cisco Grove case although it was totally distorted It was in many laughable. Ways. It was laughable but, and it was very clear that a lot of these uh Project UFO episodes were meant mm-hmm. to bolster the uh Blue Book uh view of what had happened. And interestingly enough, but that's what in this Jack episode, Webb was like. Jack Webb would always go yeah. to the official sources to get information. Exactly. That's what he did with Dragnet. He made Dragnet as close as possible to the actual experiences of the LA police department. But the Cisco Grove episode of that show was so laughable they actually dragged out of moth mothballs the suit that was used of Robbie the Robot from from the classic movie uh, Fantastic Planet in the 50s. I love it. Forbidden well, Planet was the movie, and of course, that was the same, the same costume they used in Lost in Space, believe it or and, not. And they, Danger. They didn't, Danger yeah. Will Robinson. Oh, by the way, the actor who yeah. did that voice, Danger Will Robinson, he died recently. Anyway, uh, we're talking about the case of Donald yeah. Shrum. With Ruben Yuarte and Noe Torres, with Gene and Chris, you're in the Barracast.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of paranormal radio. Listen to it if you can. There's the robotic Chris O'Brien. I'm serious, the guy who did the voice Danger Will Robinson. (laughs) I forget the announcer's name, very famous announcer, no longer with us. On a more serious note, we've heard of the recent passing of longtime UFO investigator Lucius Farish, who is a friend of mine, and we're sad to see him go. And, of course, we send our sympathies to his many friends around the world, Lucius Farish. We have Noe Torres, Ruben Yuarte. We're talking about the case of Donald Trump, Aliens in the Forest. Now, this is the final segment of the show, so let's go through some of the issues pretty quickly. Over the years, once this happened... What do you think are the long-term effects to his life, other than just remembering something pretty frightening? Well, the interesting thing about it, as we had uh, talked about earlier when we first started the show, in fact, is that Mr. Shrum has a vivid recall of the entire experience, even these many years afterward. Does he and still have fact, the nightmares you talked about in the he, early years? Well, no. He, he Those only lasted a couple of years. He underwent the hypnotic regression, and that helped him to kind of step out of himself and look at the whole picture that was going on that night. And, you know, he got this peace of mind of knowing that the aliens had never reached him. And after that, he was a lot more calm and settled about it. However... As Ruben has described, he always gets uh, this reaction from when he tells the story. There's a definite physical reaction, and, and Ruben can talk more about that. Yeah. Again, yeah, just looking at his body language and him stating what had happened to him, you could see that this man has been t- definitely affected by, by something that happened many years ago. But it's still alive with him right now. We have a really good clip, if we have time for it, on the after effects of the encounter. Uh, I don't know if, if we could squeeze that in. I'll tell you what, I'm an expert squeezer. So right. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do some magic here. Yeah, and that's what we're going told me to Gene. squeeze. Let me just, you know, <laughs> press it a little bit tighter, do some audible squeezing. And we're now going to hear the after effects. I'd like to go there. I just wanted to ask you, how, how has this affected you? you, you uh, did you have any nightmares or any... Uh, well, for a year, I had, I mean, screaming nightmares. I mean, I'd wake up uh, yelling, those eyes, those eyes. And uh, I'd be just a cold sweat, just be drenched with sweat and uh, I even I even uh, thought about when I was up in the top of that tree I uh, thought about just jumping off and jumping down the canyon and just killing myself but the only thing that kept me going is I had a, the little girl my wife and that kept me fighting 
Oh, wow. So I, oh, wow. That's some way to react to it right there. Uh-huh. The thing that he said to us at the, or the thing that he said at the, in the final interview is, hey, I won. They didn't take me. Man, he's still here. Did he yeah, ever I'm want to try to do his own UFO investigation? You know, talk to other people who had experiences? Ruben had all the materials that they collected for mm-hmm. years afterward about almost every major case in in the in the U.S. and many mm-hmm. from around the world. So they kept clippings of, and they were especially looking for similar events that had <laughs> robot connections that were similar to what Don. So they've they've maintained this this search and this focus on trying to understand what happened to Mr. Shrum, and in fact. That's one of the primary motivations they had for putting, having us put this into the form of a book and getting the story finally out to the general public because they want to know to this day what it was exactly that he encountered and what explanations, if any, can be found about it. After all this time, did they contact you or did you contact them? Ruben was the, made the initial contact. He can, yeah. I, I actually was um, through another former colleague who knew them, and um, as I mentioned earlier, I had the uh, case files. And then when she had told me that she knew the knew them, and then she had arranged the uh, meeting for me to to go and talk to them, and and, and actually um, they were very kind to uh, invite me over and, and spend time with them. So they, uh, as it turned out, and I was just very fortunate to team up with Noe to put this into a book. Uh, this is exactly what they wanted. They wanted to get the story out and, and told by them how it happened. Very much their description. Fascinating, fascinating story and certainly something that is going to deserve a lot of explanation and we're glad he's still around to tell us all about it. Is he willing to come on a show like this? Oh, I we could ask if, sure. if not um, his son or... But he is going through, unfortunately, some health issues, and oh, all right. so very we're, we're not quite sure how we would handle it. Uh, but uh, we're again, we're just very lucky that we had the audio and the film clips that um, that we have put together, and um, back in two thousand five, which added, which we had been able to uh, use the material for for our book and all the other additional documents that were that were given to us from from the family. Uh, Ruben and Noy, really, um, thank you so much for putting the time in on this case. This is uh, a, a fascinating, uh, you know, I think a very important case. And, and you guys have done a really good job uh, based on, you know, my limited knowledge of this. I, I am really intrigued uh, about this case, and I, I want to uh, know more. Uh, tell us about the book a little bit and how people can get uh, copies and and would you guys be willing to come on the Paracast forum and enter into a dialogue with our, our forum uh, posters? Uh, this is going to generate an incredible amount of interest. And if you guys can squeeze some time out, it would be great to have you guys interact with some of our, our posters who are very, very up to speed. Yeah, that sounds great. We'd like to do that, definitely. <laughs> and our book, uh, Aliens in the Forest, The Cisco Grove UFO Encounter, is available from Amazon.com and all of the major online booksellers. Uh, and it's also available through our website, as well as additional information about Mr. Shrum. We have some video testimony from him, and we have some uh, information on our other books at Roswell Books. 
com. That's uh, roswellbooks.com. And it's interesting because Ruben and I have either individually or collectively uh, helped each other. And we've put out seven books already uh, on the UFO phenomenon. And uh, we've gotten the most reaction from aliens in the forest. It seems that there's a tremendous amount of interest uh, in this particular case. I think the authenticity of it, the genuineness of the witness, and the massive amount of documentation uh, really, really bolsters this case. The one thing I think our listeners have to appreciate here is the fact that unlike a lot of cases where everything is pretty academic or someone says, well, this person told me or this is what happened, you heard, ladies and gentlemen, in his own words, Donald Trump telling you, exactly what he experienced, all the details. So this is the one thing that separates this particular story from a lot of others, because now you can evaluate what you think. I mean, my impression is this guy's a straight shooter. Something really weird happened to him. And he's not just telling a story. You know, you know when people are telling stories. And this guy is not telling a story. He's just trying to relate what really happened to him. The book is called Aliens in the Forest, the Cisco Grove UFO Encounter. Our guests have been Noe Torres and Ruben Yorte, and they have this site, roswellbooks.com. We'll have a link to it at theparacast.com. And that's where they have this book available and other books. And, of course, you order directly from them. You know, they get the extra piece of money that Amazon would otherwise take. So we are grateful to let them have it. Chris O'Brien's got a place, too. Chris, tell us about your site. Well, it's called the Paracast, but uh, we're revamping our strange planet. And um, I also want to uh, put a, a nod out to the Mexican uh, Roswell book, too, uh, which I think Paracast listeners would really gain some very interesting insight into a, an intriguing little-known case. And maybe we'll have you back on for that. We definitely want to talk yeah, to you again. Absolutely. You guys, thank you so much for being on. This is really good uh, good stuff. I mean, please uh, do come to the forum, all right? Thank you very much, uh, Chris and Gene, for the invitation and having us on. And uh, it's an honor being on your show. And uh, we look forward to connecting with your audience. Yes, thank you so much. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>